Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Amen, Lord, we thank you truly, Lord, for our nation. And Lord, even though it's had its bumps and bruises, and Lord, I'm certain, quite certain, Lord, we could do a lot more to change and to become a better nation, especially as it concerns the fear of the Lord. Lord, your word tells us that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And Lord, we've enjoyed that, Lord, for generations. Lord, so we're grateful, Lord, especially for those, God, who have served, Lord, who have given their lives. Lord, for families, Lord, that have had to endure that pain. Lord, the suffering of losing a loved one. Lord, we ask you to bless those families. Lord, we also ask you to bless our our heroes that are still serving, God, that are on that hill, holding that line, Lord, protecting our freedoms. Lord, in serving nations, Lord, and to cover nations, Lord, that cannot protect themselves. Lord, help us. Bless us, keep us, make your face shine upon us in these days. Lord, that we as a nation would continue, Lord, to experience your blessing. So bless this this service this morning. Open our hearts to hear what you're speaking. Lord, that we might be anointed for your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. How did we get here? I'm overwhelmed and can't take this anymore. Have you ever felt this way? I know I have. I have for sure. And these are the sayings of the overwhelmed, the afflicted, the burned out, the musings of the person who has enough of the struggles that life can bring. And we find that the Israelites, as we're going through the book of Judges, have experienced the same thing over and over again in their new land. 299 years of history defined as the good old ups and downs. And we can sure relate, can't we? From last week, we learned that they got to this point because of two reasons. One, that they didn't listen to God's warnings regarding the false religions and the idolatry that was present in the land that they overtook. God had told them it was there, and he had warned them, and he basically encouraged them to do to be aggressive, to be proactive in dealing with these, these peoples. And number two, they failed to pass the torch of God's ways to their children. We talked quite a bit about that last week. We talked about our, our legacy, our heritage, and how important it is uh, to pass this on, not only to our children, but also to those who are in our lives. We talked about mentoring. We talked about um, passing on our spiritual DNA to that next generation. And we find that the Israelites failed to do that. And they also did not listen to the judges that God had provided. And we're going to talk more about that, that God provided a prophetic voice. So one of the things that we learn is that when God gives us a challenge, he always provides what we need in order to carry that out. And we know that from the New Testament as well, that God will never allow us to be tempted beyond what we could bear. But in all ways, he will provide a way of escape. He'll also provide everything we need to live this life. And he certainly did for the Israelites in providing these judges or leaders. We call them judges, and don't don't get tripped up on that when you think of judging in a New Testament sense or even interrelationally. 
Uh, we think of judgment as, hey man, don't judge me. But these were no judges, people that were called to stand and bring justice, to help the peoples work through their disagreements and their struggles, men that were anointed and set up by God. Again, we'll talk more about that. About that. So, but because they were not making the right choices, they would gotten to a place where they were pretty miserable. To these choices, God responded with something that we should catch. He says he did not drive out their enemies as he did for Joshua. Let's look at Judges chapter 20, verses 20 through 22, as we, we take and look at our next point. Because this nation has violated the covenant I ordained for their ancestors and has not listened to me. I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. So we know that there was, and it talked about this last time, that there was a bit of a failure on the part of the people to complete the job. But we find that there was a little more going on here than what meets the eye. Look, as we continue to read, I will use them. Who's them? The peoples that were left there. I will use them to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their ancestors did. So we see now that God was involved in that too, as it always is. We wonder why God at times does not remove the struggles from our life. Why does not God just remove that person out of my life? Why doesn't God just completely, I mean, he can do it. Why doesn't he just remove that disease? Why doesn't he just remove that fear, that situation? He certainly could do it. We find, of course, that Jesus teaches us that we're to pray with incredible faith that we're supposed to push through. But if we look at here, we can, again, find the microcosm of truth, of principles that we can apply to our life. And he talks about this fact that God definitely leaves things. So because they didn't listen to God, he left their enemies intact to test them. And what is the test? What will we do with the ba- I mean, what will we do with the battles we face or the enemies of our soul? There is the test. What are we going to do when we're in the midst of battle? Speaking of Memorial Day and warfare and whatnot, What are we going to do with our enemies of our soul? How will we respond to them? Our usual responses from maybe a fleshly or a human point of view might go like this. Well, everybody has tough times. We just kind of look past them, don't we? Yeah, everybody has tough tough times, and so you just kind of got to pull up your bootstraps and push on. Secondly, things are going to get better. You will see. And that's, you know, that's the positive people in your life. You know, those are the, the Cheerios. Those are the ones with the rosy cheeks and always singing a little song. And then, hey, things are going to get better. And that, and of course, that's probably true, unless you die. Number three, let's just continue to fix this. What can we do? What can we buy? What can we change? It's got a little bit of truth in there, but once again, it falls back into something that is in my opinion, what we see from Scripture is a bit of an error. And that is we try to do it in our own strength. We either try to dismiss the battles that are going on in our life or we try to face them in our own strength. In other words, you know, maybe we've been taught and likely been taught wrongly that when tough times come, 
Again, those are the two different reactions. We just kind of lower our shoulder and just press on through it. Or again, just pretend they don't exist. And, and have you all found this to be true, that if you ignore a problem, it doesn't go away? <laughs> you hear as you get ready to go to bed at night, drip, drip, drip. And you just roll over. Oh, it'll stop. Oh, Jamie's was a plumber for a lot of years. Does it stop, Jamie? It doesn't stop. The next night, drip, 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 drip. Next night, drip, 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 drip. <laughs> I did that one time. I was listening. I heard this, you know, kind of like a, a drip, but it sounded like drip. You know, it was like in a cave. And I hadn't had a basement for a lot of years, and I just ignored that. So I went down to the basement and saw there was a foot of water in my basement. Mm-hmm. So we can't ignore a problem, can you? Because it's going to grow. And so God's after something. God's wanting to teach us something. Again, the test, it's pretty clear. Who are you going to turn to when things get tough? Notice the word I used there, the pronoun, who. It's not going to be the what. What can we do? Or what can we not do? But it's the who. But still we ask why, because I could stop the sermon right there, and we all know what the answer is. We can turn to Jesus. We can turn to the Lord, and he can help us. And if it were that simple, I wouldn't even need to share the rest of this message. But it gets a little more complex. And when we think of God in in terms of what we just read, it seems a little cruel, doesn't it? God, you're going to let that, problems continue to happen in my life so that you'll test me? You know, that can feel a little painful. And as a matter of fact, when, we, when you take the relational aspect out, it can be, you know, it can be a little overwhelming to think, why would a, a loving God do that? It does seem a little cruel. Until you look at Judges chapter 3, 1 through 4, this will provide a clearer answer for us. <coughs> that uh, pollen's been getting after me, so. A little horse this morning. These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars of Canaan. So this is the generation that had not been involved in battle. Got a little soft. It's like a generation that didn't have to earn it. You know, I used to joke with some of the young pastors that came on at Manna because I was one of the first pastors that Michael hired and man, I'll tell you what, we knew it was like, what it was like to sit in our staff meetings and wonder if we we're going to get paid that next Monday. Man, we were counting those offerings, buddy. And we were a part of that generation of those who, you know, we were just fighting and we were casting out demons and we were doing this and that. And I mean, basically handling the whole load of a growing church. And then in time, we hired a lot of young pastors. And man, they had nice offices. You know, they had secretaries. They had this, that, and the other. And I said, look, man, you don't remember the good old days. And you don't. And that's what the generation was. They were enjoying the land of milk and honey. They hadn't suffered out in the desert at all. They didn't have to know whether they were going to live or die in running off the Amalekites and the otherites. They didn't have to experience that. So let's keep going, verse 2. He did not, I'm, I'm sorry, he did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not previous battle experience. Oh, now we're getting a little bit closer here now. 
So God left his enemies, God left their enemies, so he could teach them what? Warfare. Teach them how to fight. We'll take that apart a little bit more. The five rulers of the Philistines, okay, mentions the Philistines. Now remember, who came from the Philistines? If you got the notes, you know the answer. Goliath, you remember him? A bit of an enemy, wasn't he? What did he do? He tested Israel. All the Canaanite, he mentioned all the Canaanites, of which there were many. Canaanite actually, uh, actually stood for, it was a general term for a lot of different tribes and different kinds of peoples. But they were kind of like your run-of-the-mill Baal worshipers, or Baal, as they would say in Hebrew. The Sidonians, and look who came for them. Anybody remember the name Jezebel? Not your most savory character in the Bible? Who went on to really test, challenge, and bring a demonic presence to Israel? The Hivites. Hivite actually means snake. How would you like to have snakes living around you? So not so nice. And these were the ones that were left behind. Living in the Lebanon mountains from Mount Baal Hermon to Libo Hamath. They were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's commands, which he had given their ancestors through Moses. So before you think that God is interested in just punishing you or punishing me or punishing us, you forget that he's a daddy. And I want to lay that over this right now because it really will help us to, to extract from this what I think God wants us to hear today. And that is we've got to understand that God looked at the people of Israel as his babies. They were birthed. God had cared for them from the very day that Abraham had looked up to heaven and chose not to choose all the other gods, but listened to the, vo- the one true God. And God said, I'm going to build a nation with you. And so he sent them. And we know the rest of the Old Testament is basically God bringing forth his people so that the rest of the nations would one day be blessed. And we know that. And so he takes them from place to place to place. And they're literally very much like children. He'd say, look, don't touch that. It'll burn you. <sighs> Told you don't touch that. Sometimes they got spankings. Sometimes they got a little stern look. Sometimes they got time out. Sometimes they didn't get what they wanted. And God said, look, you're not going outside to play for a long time. How about 20 years? You think in terms of him being a daddy, it makes a lot more sense. So a lot of times we try to extract the human, or if not the relational and the loving aspect of who our God is. But you've got to understand that he never has changed from being our creator. He's never changed from being the one who blew life into our lungs and said, now enjoy this world that I give to you as a gift. So God is working with his people, and there's a reason why. He said, oh, man, these children of mine. Generation before them, they won all this. I had to work with them, work with them, work with them. And now all these new babies have come in, but they're not tough. They haven't learned. Their parents didn't teach them. They did not teach them the ways of God. So God, as always, what does he have to do? He has to step in. And what does God do? And I'm I'm telling you, this is something very interesting when it comes to parenting or it comes to mentoring. Just seeing the ways of God are very, very interesting. Incredible, actually. 
So we, gotta, we can't think in terms of God just being cruel. You've got to flush that out. You've you got you to take away that God is just trying to punish these people, to just say, man, because you don't fear me, I'm really going to make you suffer. Mm-mm. He says, okay, I've got I to toughen them up. How can I do this? Well, it'd be easy for the teacher to just come up to the bully in the, in the, in the playground and, and just say, okay, you're out of school. Go, leave. Don't ever come back again. It'd be better for the teacher to just come over and say, now look, <laughs> let me teach you how to deal with this bully. You've got to learn to stand up. Now, may I take just a parenthetical step away from the pulpit just for a moment and just say, our generation and what we do to protect people is not wise. To take away the opportunity for someone to grow and to grow stronger. Now, I'm talking as a dad here. You know, to teach my sons and my daughters, for that matter, to learn to face uh, adversity, to stand and learn how to grow in character, to learn how to stand, rather than to try to remove all those things. You know, just try to remove, if you try to remove everything that's offensive, you never learn to stand for anything. And let that one sink in. Consider... James chapter 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Do you not understand that the New Testament church, as it began to grow, experienced wonderful growth, and of course they saw miracles but they experienced suffering as well. Persecution never completely went away. As a matter of fact, Christians continued to die. What about our times? Over 100,000, 100,000 Christians die every year on the earth. Think about that. Just because you don't see them in the streets in the United States doesn't mean they're not dying. There's a beautiful couple that I just saw think they're Sudanese, found out they were Christians, and they said, recant or die. They're going to put them to death. This is happening in our modern world, standing for what they believe. But if we look at this verse, it's a hard one. But in the light of what we see taking place with the Israelites, who are now, they're, they're having to fight, they're having to battle And God says, I'm not going to take your enemies away because I want you to learn something. And we see that unlocked for us there in James. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Because your faith is going to get tested. You're going to have to learn to fight because God is after doing two things. He wants to build perseverance. Well, actually three. Perseverance, maturity, and on top of it all, just character. See, Christians, that's where we need to grow. It's not always about the fire. It's not always about the cloud, the presence. It's not always about the most wonderful things that we can experience, the goosebump parts of Christianity. What really God is after in us is maturity, stability, that rock that Mike was talking about, Mike Adams, talking about building a rock, yes, in our marriage, but foundationally in our lives to begin with individually. It cannot be moved. A perseverance. It's hard to consider it pure joy, isn't it? 
pure joy. Wow. That takes some determination on our part. But first, you can't, it can't be pure joy until you know what's going on. Once you know what's going on and you see the end of it, what does that do? That is what brings hope. And when you get a little bit of hope, then the joy can start to come. Still don't understand yet? I'll give you an idea. Coming into vacation season. How many of you have got a vacation plan for this summer? You got a vacation plan? You do? Wow, hardly any of you do. Go on vacation. Even for a few hours. If you don't, no problem. Then you won't understand this. But how many of you have ever been on a vacation? Help me out here. All right, good. Now I can use this analogy. All right. <laughs> You're going to leave me hanging there for a minute. All right. What happens when you think about vacation? Hope. Hope. Now you're getting it. What happens? You're going to work a little bit lighter. Man, I like work. Work is good. Hey, why aren't you working harder? You know, you start clearing your desk. That's what I do. I start clearing my desk. Put it all away. It all looks good. You know what I'm talking about? Because you, vacation's coming. You get to get away until you start driving back. <laughs> right? And it's like, you know, and it's funny. On the way back from, uh, from Michigan, I know that highway a lot more than I do the, do the one going up, going up there. I-75 is a northbound and southbound. Because it is so emotional. But what, that, what is that? That's called hope. You see what? The end. And when you see the end of a, of a time of struggle, a time of just, you know, persevering, that gives you hope. And what does that hope do? It's retroactive. It begins to climb back into your life. It begins to affect your emotions. You begin to live differently. Hope is a powerful thing. That's why we can consider it pure joy. Because we see the end. We see what God is after. When you realize that the battle you're in, whatever the battle you're in right now, has a purpose, does not help a whole lot. Now you're beginning to see, okay, God is up to something. That's all we want to know. That's all I want to know. What? Why? What are you doing? What are you after in me? I'm trying to grow you. I'm trying to make you more mature. I'm, I'm, I'm st- stabilizing you. See, a lot of times as fathers, when we try to toughen up our kids and we do different things and we never explain that to them, then they just despise it. But when you take the time to sit down with your sons and your daughters and say, listen, honey, I love you. And daddy's trying to teach you to stand because you know what? Life is coming. And I want you to be able to stand. I want you to be able to stand when that professor stands up and just says, God is dead. I want you to be able to say on the inside, heck no. And I know why. And you'll be able to stand against everything, to be able to say no to drugs, to be able to say no to premarital sex, to be able to say no to alcohol, to be able to say no to atheism, pantheism, and all the other stinking isms that are out there. And, 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 and so that's what God is after. He wants us to be able to be that Psalm 23 oak that's by the waters. It cannot be moved. That's what he's after. But a lot of times, folks, when we're just used to, you know, sucking on the slush of life, sitting by the air conditioner, as my coach used to say, all summer long in life, that when the tough times come, 
you're sucking wind, you're running out of steam, and you're not prepared. The old guys who ever did double, you know, double day, uh, two a day football practices, no. I am sorry for the, the sports analogy. I will move on. Okay. Perseverance has got to do its perfect. It's got to do the work. So we get the joy when we know that there's a purpose. That's why he said that. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face those trials. Because you know that the testing is going to produce faith and perseverance. And when perseverance starts gets working in you, then you're going to start to grow and become mature and complete. And those last three words are pretty awesome. Not lacking anything. Anything's a pretty big word. What does it do? It pretty much covers everything. I mean, it's your stuff, what you need to live, what you need to survive, and even beyond that, to be able to prosper and to be a blessing to you and your family and everyone around you. So the key, you know, not very many uh, faith preachers preach this particular verse because it doesn't fit into the fact that they say that God wants us all to just be happy in a, in a Cadillac sitting in the front yard. Because actually being content may not having any of that. Mature and complete, not lacking anything. All right. So what does all this mean? And what can we take away today? Number one, God could take our enemies and trials away. But God knows that we need to learn to fight. We need to learn to stand. And I shared that regarding the, the father's loving duty to help a child to stand. If we teach them to flee the tough times, and I've seen parents do this, and not just on the playground, but when they see somebody outperform them. Matter of fact, I'll pick on Tate a little bit. Tate, are you here? I love you, bud. But the truth is, you know, Tate has grown. But I'll never forget when he was about four or five years old, he was in the middle of the soccer game. He was playing there, fighting, surging back and forth. And somebody steals the ball from him, and he just stops in the middle of the field. He just stops. You can see little red-haired Tate. He was the cutest little thing. He just stopped. My little warrior just stopped. And everything was going on. I saw what was going on. I knew why he stopped. He stopped because somebody beat him. They took the ball from him. He didn't like that. And so inside, his little soul said, I'm shutting down. And there he was. Now, as a dad, what, you know, if I was a wimpy dad, I'd run onto that field, and I'd grab him and hold him. <laughs> Tate, how could they do that to you? Come on. Grab his little hand, his little chubby little hand. Walk over to the side, and we watch the rest of the game. I've seen parents do it. You know what I did? I said, you! Tate! I said, son, you better get back into that game right now. I'm going to come. I'm going to unleash. You get moving. <laughs> and he kind of walked around, and all of a sudden shook him out of it, and back in the game he went. <laughs> Scored a couple of goals, and there was victory and triumph. The only time he ever did that. That was the last time he ever did that. Because, folks, we need to be taught to fight. We need to be taught to rise up. Because at that moment, there was a character opportunity. It was more than just a game. 
I knew life was at, I knew life was on the line. Because how many people do that now as adults? You better say amen. Because I'm telling you, it is out there. <laughs> they took my stuff. They just stop in the middle of life. Just stop. Not doing anything, not play. You know I'm preaching the truth here. Because they did not learn to fight. Now, you can say, well, my dad never did that. He never told me, Pastor David, you got a daddy. He's in heaven. This daddy, your daddy was only just the starter pack to get you connected to that daddy who is gonna, he's got everything else covered. And he'll pick up right from there He'll begin to continue these lessons. He'll continue to toughen you, build you, make you mature and complete, lacking nothing. That's all that's about. But folks, we've got to learn to grow. We've got to learn to face some of these battles. We cannot shrink away because God wants to grow us. We've got to toughen up. Number two, pure joy is looking ahead again to the maturity that we will gain. Number three, struggles in our life are sent to help us, to change us, to build that faith and perseverance. We've got perseverance. We've got to embrace that. Do you see that, my friends? Do you see it? Because it's right here. It's right in the Bible. That's exactly what God did with the people of Israel. Again, on a grand scheme, and we're supposed to see that. That's what we extract from these stories, is who God is, what God does, and verified, solidified in the New Testament as we see it played out in the lives of Christians. And so this is setting the stage for what Israel is going through, these children who are just kind of a rabble-rousing, you know, unbroken group of people that God just says, ah, I've got to work with them. And so he says, God, I've got to teach them. So I'm not going to remove these difficulties from their life. I'm going to leave them so they can learn to fight camp on that just for a little longer, and we'll pray over it here in a moment. God's goal for us, mature and complete, not lacking anything. Number five, God wants to build that character in us, which will bring success. Character. A great word to describe all the things that God wants to do in us. That ability to be whole and to be the same. In other words, when nobody's looking, that's your character. And what you do in public is just going to be the fruit. But a lot of times we've learned, wow, if I just come up with some fruit, that everybody will think that the character is good. Well, that's not right. God wants us to be whole. God wants us to be right on the inside. And that's really what God is trying to do in your life more than anything. God is trying to fix you on the inside to build that character that will be able to stand against everything. This path, really, that that we're looking at this morning is an opportunity for those destined for greatness. Now catch this. Because I have friends in my life who are going through difficult times, and I know many of you are and have. And you've heard me say it before, but I want to say it again. They are opportunities. It's the hardest thing to do, isn't it? Something happens. You lose something. Some, you know, something difficulty, uh, some kind of difficulty happens in your life. In the moment you, be, you just say, this is an opportunity. I don't know what it is, 
completely. I just know it's an opportunity for God to do something wonderful. And even beyond that, if you're having difficulty, you should know that you've been marked by God for greatness. Did you catch that? If you're going through battles, in the light of what we're learning here, is not God allowing this to happen so they can build you up? And so does it make sense that we keep going through, just like the Israelites are getting ready to do, go generation after generation after generation, keep going through the same struggles because they didn't get it? So if you keep going through the same struggles over and over again, it doesn't mean that he loves you, loves you, loves you more than anybody else. It just means he's like, look, I want you to get this because I'm so determined as your daddy to make sure you do get it. It's an opportunity. When God spends a lot of time focusing on you, he's got a purpose. He's got a plan. He's up to something. Now, sometimes we're like, God, I'd rather you not focus on me so much for a little while. Aren't there a lot of other people out there you really think are special? I'd like to not be special just for a week if that's okay with you. But that's like asking parents to forget you. That's like asking parents to not be parents for a month and just treat you like they don't know you or they don't say hello to you or hi or how you doing. That's not your God. Your God every day is asking that question, whether we hear it or not. How are you doing? Adam, where are you? He still calls every day, every moment. An opportunity for greatness. We got to pray and ask God to help us embrace the difficulties. Those difficulties in our life and see them as building the character that we need to succeed. If God allows difficulties to come, it's because he knows we need to grow more. We need to grow some more. And as hard as that is to think, because I go through plenty, there's none of us that they're outside that. None of us in this life are going to just say, okay, I'm done. Wow, it's complete. You get your report card, A, 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 A. And God writes at the bottom, it was a real joy to work with. He's complete. And mature, not lacking anything. Have you ever written one of those, Charlene? Probably not. <laughs> Complete, mature, not lacking anything. No. It's always something we got to work on, right? In this life, we always will. And so don't get down on that. Don't, don't, don't be depressed about that because we're all in the same boat. And the good news is that God loves us so very much. So if he's, again, if he's paying that much attention to you, be happy. Oh, man, my daddy loves me. He loves me. So think about this. A successful life comes from who you are and not what you do. And if that is true, it makes a lot more sense that that is exactly why God is allowing some of these difficulties to happen in your life. Because he's after the who you are part. Isn't that right? Amen. Let's stand up this morning. If I could have our prayer teams come and just remind you, our prayer teams are here 
you know, we could go another 20 minutes in our service to pray over lots of different things, but, you know, some of you are good to go. You need some time to reflect. Others of you, you need somebody to pray with. You need to stand with someone. And these people are all hand-picked, loving servants, love you, love to pray for you. So if God is knocking on the door of your heart, please don't be in such a hurry that you can't take some time. Lord, we come to you today. Lord, we recognize that we have opportunities every day. Lord, we see the Israelites and and what they went through. and, And Lord, you allowed their enemies to stay because you wanted to teach them to war. You wanted to teach them to fight. Lord, we need to learn to fight. We need God to rise up and do it, to fight to resist the enemy and see him flee. We need to build spiritual muscle, faith. Lord, so that we can bear more fruit, more fruit. And that, Lord, we would know deep in our hearts that, Lord, we were given these talents and that we multiplied them back for you. Lord, forgive us right now, all across this room. We take a moment to repent. Repentance is good. Lord, we repent of our, Lord, our failure to see. Lord, to take things for granted. Lord, the blessings that we have, maybe by pedigree or as a result of just being blessed. Maybe somebody handed that to us. Maybe we worked our tails off to get it. Regardless, it's all you. I'll come from your hand. But Lord, let us recognize today that, Lord, you're after more than just what we do. You're after the inside of us. So, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, to try to bail ourselves out with our own ways. Forgive us, Lord, for resulting to the flesh. But right now, we're going to do the right thing. And Lord, that is to humble ourselves before you, to recognize that you are our daddy, that Jesus, you're here. You live in our hearts by faith. You've done the work. You've restored our relationship through your sacrifice. And now you're ready by the Holy Spirit to work within us, causing us to will and to do of your good pleasure. The will part. So important. So Lord, we want to just settle down. Lord, we want to lay down like that sheep and just say, Lord, we belong to you again. And we're willing to listen to your voice, to stay on your path, to grow in the fear and the admonition of God, to delight in your word and to follow your paths. Your word is a lamp unto our feet. Lord, how can we negotiate this life without it? So forgive us now. Wash us clean. Give us fresh determination, our will restored, our hearts cleaned and ready. And may we embrace, God, the difficulties of this life with pure joy. Pure joy now. In Jesus' name.